Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen. Wrappings rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was a long scripture reading this morning. It came from John, probably the most verbose of the gospel writers. Thank you, Keith, for your reading. In many ways, the gospel reading, in all the ways, actually, the gospel reading is the most important thing that happens in this space. And so today, no matter what you came looking for, no matter what comes next, At least I know you will leave here saying, I heard the gospel, I heard the good news, and I proclaimed, Christ is risen. risen You're still with me. 
For the past six weeks, our gatherings in this space have been framed by a series of questions. Who will we listen to? How do we begin again? Where will we find renewal? Who sinned? What do I need to unlearn? Can these bones live? What is giving us hope? And finally, last week, we considered the processions of Pilate and Jesus both entering Jerusalem at the same time, and we asked, which procession are we in? And where are we headed? Today, as we approach the tomb on this Easter morn, we have a new question, and the question today is, who are we looking for? Some of you, perhaps having read the bulletin in advance, have already answered the question in your mind. You may not have blurted it out loud because you are all good Christian people trained in the art of worship. Maybe you have read your Bibles, maybe you have attended Sunday school, or maybe you just know the answer to the question, especially on Easter Sunday, is emphatically Jesus. Who are you looking for? Jesus. Well, have you found Jesus yet? Maybe you felt Jesus draw near in the opening Easter proclamation of Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, alleluia. Okay. Maybe it was in the opening hymn, Christ the Lord is risen today, alleluia. That's where Easter meets me most years. Maybe it was the grace conveyed in the words of confession and the promise of forgiveness. There are many different ways that we have felt the promise and the hope of resurrection before. These are the ways that we have drawn closer to Jesus in Easter's past. And so these are the ways that we look for Jesus now. And hopefully... By now, we've been here 33 minutes. Hopefully, we have all caught a glimpse of the resurrected Christ. Alleluia. They say you find what you're looking for, especially when your mind fixates on one particular thing. Have y'all ever experienced that? You know, when like all of a sudden, seemingly out of the blue, something just starts popping up all over the place. It happened to me last fall. For whatever reason, everywhere I went, I saw Dallas Cowboys propaganda. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It was after a conversation that Justin and I had on the couch one night. I don't really even remember what prompted it, but we both remembered that in middle school, both he and I had starter jackets with the Dallas Cowboys star on them. Now, him being from Texas, that made sense. But I was from Central North Carolina, and the fact that we both grew up in these very different places, not knowing one another, and we both had the same Dallas Cowboys starter jacket, I mean, what are the odds of that? Well, after that conversation, that blue star logo started popping up everywhere, and I bet after today's sermon, you will see it too. (laughs) 
It was on bumper stickers. It was on back windows of just about every car that passed me. It was on the t-shirts of runners that I saw on the Noose River Trail. I even noticed when I went to visit my sister who lives in Mooresville near Charlotte, not one of her next door neighbors, but both of her next door neighbors had some kind of cowboy's regalia out front, either on their welcome sign by the front door, one of them had it in a flag on their lawn. It was so weird. It might have made sense if we both lived in Dallas or if we lived in Dallas now to see Cowboys stuff everywhere we went. But we live in Raleigh, and there is another professional football team that is much, much closer. And so I found this to be very, very strange. But it turns out that this phenomenon, when you see like a random thing that you've just talked about, experienced, or discovered for the first time when it begins to pop up everywhere, seemingly out of nowhere, giving you the impression that either the universe is trying to tell you something or all of a sudden everyone else on the planet cares about the same thing that you care about. It has a name, this phenomenon. It's called the Batter-Meinhof phenomenon also known as frequency illusion. In short, what it means is we tend to see what we're looking for because our minds are predisposed, preconditioned, practiced, and poised to see it. I wasn't seeing Dallas Cowboys regalia because the Cowboys were, once again, you know, America's team like they were in the 90s. There was no cosmic impulse or divine directive for me to renew my love for the Cowboys, which I left 20 years ago when they released Emmett Smith too early. I was seeing Cowboys symbols everywhere because after all that time, my mind was thinking about them again. I saw the cowboys everywhere because I was looking for the cowboys everywhere. So who are you looking for? Who are you looking for today? Jesus, you say? From every rational perspective, though, that seems like a little bit of a stretch. Because the last time anyone saw Jesus was nearly 2,000 years ago. And the eyewitness accounts sort of contradict one another. Some say that they saw him outside the tomb. Others say they saw him on the road to Emmaus. Still others on the shore of Galilee cooking up a meal and others in the upper room. Some of their descriptions imply that Jesus was recognized only by his voice. And the sound of him calling the name of the disciple, some imply that he was known instead by his actions, specifically in the breaking and the serving of the bread. And still others insist that he was visibly recognizable and physically touchable. Do you remember Thomas who wanted to put his hands in his side and touch the wounds himself? At best, the resurrection accounts agree that Jesus was indeed alive and that there was something different about him. Something different about him after the grave. Perhaps we should concede, though, that those who saw Jesus last, the disciples, had a hard time knowing exactly what to look for 
I mean, Jesus did tell them that all of this was going to happen, but they didn't exactly have the, the Gospels written down. They didn't have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. They were sort of living the rest of the story, living the resurrection in real time. And so it certainly stands to reason that the disciples had a lot going on in those early days. A lot of things that might have clouded their vision when it came to seeing and recognizing the risen Christ in their midst. In the days leading up to the crucifixion, everybody close to Jesus had experienced tragedy and trauma, the likes of which most of us could never even imagine. It was just a matter of hours between the Passover meal that they shared where Jesus broke the bread and blessed the cup and then he washed their feet in that ultimate act of service and humility and love. It was just a matter of hours between the meal and the moment when it all came crashing down, when Jesus was arrested and betrayed by one of their own. You things got really scary for them because what Jesus had been telling them would happen did indeed happen. Jesus lost his life. Anyone who wants to find their life has to lose it, Jesus liked to say, but now it was happening. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time imagining the disciples could have predicted it happen exactly the way that it did. Even though the disciples tried to watch and listen and learn as best they could, they never could have prepared for what their eyes would behold in those final days, the violence and the death and the trauma of losing a friend in such a way. So of course, when Mary sits weeping at the tomb, the picture that she has formed in her mind is one of tragedy. How could she or, or we expect anything else? Her eyes had seen so much pain. Her mind had learned that people can surprise you, that disciples are not always loyal, that sometimes good does not seem to prevail, that sometimes love does not seem to win. Sometimes even the Son of God can be beaten and arrested and nailed to a cross. These were significant and life-altering lessons for her, and they changed the scope of her vision from hope to despair. In these earliest Easter moments, Mary and the other disciples as well forgot how to see the way that Jesus had been teaching them to see. Who were they looking for? In many ways, it seems like they were looking for the Jesus of the tomb. You know, if faith could be worn like a pair of glasses, then it seems like they all lost their glasses that day. Like they set them on the kitchen counter and forgot where they were before they left their homes to go out and visit the tomb. 
And you know, if, if faith were a pair of glasses and the disciples left it at home that day, maybe that's a good metaphor for us to use as we think about this whole unfolding drama, especially given that we are in John's gospel. You know, each of the authors have their own little nuances. But seeing, right, seeing is a major theme for John. The first half of the gospel is often called the book of signs, and it has earned that name because it contains so many miracle stories. And yes, the other gospels include the miracle stories as well, but John tells them with his own unique little approach. John wants to be sure that we can see and believe. For John, the miracles that Jesus performs not only prove his power, prove that Jesus is the Son of God, but they also provoke the seer to believe. We see it from the very beginning. John the Baptist, the story in John's Gospel, John the Baptist tells of his experience baptizing Jesus, and what does he say? I have seen, and I testify that this is the Son of God. And then Jesus calls the first disciples, saying, Come, and you will see. And after the first miracle, the one where Jesus turns the water into wine at the wedding, John says that the disciples saw and put their faith in Jesus. And then we move to Nicodemus the Pharisee, who comes to Jesus with questions in the middle of the night, and Jesus says to him, No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And then Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and she comes to be the first evangelist of the good news. You want to know what her message was? Come and see. Later, Jesus heals a man who's been unable to walk for 38 years. And after receiving a little bit of criticism, because he did perform that miracle on the Sabbath, and people got a little bit upset about that, Jesus finds the man later and says to him, See, you have been made well. All along the way, Jesus has been showing the disciples how to see resurrection when it happens. In each of these little cases, in each healing story, Jesus brings about new life to all those who are facing tombs of their own. Tombs of legalism and tombs of broken relationships. Tombs of illness and tombs of isolation. Jesus heals them all, each and every one, making broken people whole again and restoring everyone's place in beloved community. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to see, and in their seeing, they begin to believe. But here in chapter 20, we come to the climax of John's gospel, the part of the story toward which every other account has been leading. If all the other miracles were small glimpses into God's resurrection power, this is the big one. Here, Jesus himself is resurrected, raised from the grave as the ultimate miracle to show just how powerful God is, more powerful than death itself. And yet, despite everything that Jesus has told them about what was going to happen, 
Despite all the signs pointing toward resurrection, even the linen wrappings that once adorned Jesus' body and the special cloth wrapped around his head, which should ring a bell because it's exactly the same cloths that they found in the grave of Lazarus. They saw what Jesus did there, and yet despite all the signs pointing toward resurrection, Mary couldn't see it. She only saw the tomb. Perhaps Mary's imagination was so saturated, so overwhelmed with pain and loss, that she could not muster the strength to look beyond it. Like blinders worn by a parade horse, meant to block out everything except the narrow path forward. Mary's grief for all that was lost, all that had been taken from her, all that had changed, her grief acted like blinders, keeping her eyes fixed on the tomb. Maybe we have stood in those kinds of places with Mary. Maybe we have stood there so stunned and shaken by grief that we have lost all capacity to see the rest of the picture. Maybe we, like Mary, have come to the tomb and planted both our feet and our gaze in the direction of our own limited expectations. Unable to see beyond our own blinders, maybe we struggle to find resurrection happening anywhere within us or around us because there's too much pain, too much suffering, too many closed doors and broken relationships, too many roads abruptly ended, too much injustice and foolishness in this world. Maybe we struggle because we see death and despair at every turn. But if we stand in these most raw and vulnerable places, we cannot forget that just beyond Mary's peripheral vision, just beyond the scope of her grief, Jesus stood waiting. Jesus stood waiting, whole and alive, healed, remembering all that they once shared and eager to call Mary by name so that they could go forward together in their future. Just beyond Mary's vision, Jesus stood waiting, reminding Mary once again to see and believe. And as he does, he embodies the promise of new life. The promise that God holds for each and every one of us. Resurrection was in her midst and Mary just couldn't recognize it at first. Perhaps because resurrection changes things. Makes all things new, to use language from Revelation. But once Mary discovered her resurrection lenses picked up the glasses of faith and put them back on, 
so to speak, Mary was able to see Jesus clearly. Friends, this is the good news of Easter. Christ is risen and is waiting for us to put our glasses back on so that we can see resurrection. Christ is risen and is waiting for us to see. But that's not even all. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus from the grave is the big story. It is perhaps the biggest story of all. It is the story that we came here looking for today. But let's not forget that in addition to all that we have come to know and expect of this story, the Easter story is bigger than our own vision. The Easter story is a story of mystery and surprise and wonder as God continues to reach and act beyond our wildest imaginations. That is what new creation is all about. God breathing life into a valley of dry bones. God opening up eyes and hearts that we all assumed were closed, shut. God building a bridge between two impassable and dug in opposing sides. God regathering a church after a season apart. God making a way where there seems to be no way. The beauty of a flowering cross, friends reconnecting after years of distance, that healing hug that says more than words could ever say, the tears that well up in our eyes for really no reason at all when we sang our favorite verse of our favorite hymn, the sweet, sweet spirit that fills the sanctuary and also our hearts on days like this one. Friends, these are glimpses of resurrection, daily reminders that death will not prevail, hate will not win, only love can raise us from our graves as love raised Jesus from his. Christ is risen. And Christ is resurrecting all that was dead and that is dead within us. So maybe this year, maybe today, we can peel off all that is limiting our vision. Whether it's pain or grief or fear or expectation, maybe we can peel it all off and set it aside. And as we do, maybe we can pick up our resurrection lenses so that we can do what John is just begging us to do. See and believe. Maybe then we will find what we're looking for. Amen.